All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome. Welcome to the house. It's so good to have all of our Faith Church family here in Florence. Can we show some love and welcome everybody in Lawrenceburg? It's good to have you guys in the house. Come on, our Faith Church family in shows. Come on, let's welcome them. Hey, will you do me a favor? Well, everybody jump to your feet at all of our campuses. I would love for us just to take one more minute and, uh, and just pray. You know, if, if you show up here and um, maybe you're not paying attention, you might think that the goal of the day is, is to sing some songs and to go home. You might think the goal of the day is to listen to me preach and go home. You might think the goal of uh, being a faith church is to have an experience. And while it might feel that way, I want you to know that's not what we want. Our goal is not for you to, to just sing songs. Our goal is for you in a corporate setting to have an opportunity to worship God. And that might be new to you and singing is new to you or awkward for you. But I just believe that something supernatural happens when you have a connection with your heavenly father. And our goal is not just for you to hear me preach. Our goal is for you to have an encounter with God's presence, that you wouldn't just hear me, that the Lord would speak something to you. There's lots of us in this room in Lawrenceburg and Shoals that you need to hear what God has for you. You need to hear a word of hope and you need to hear a word of strength and encouragement. And we believe with all of our heart, we said every week, we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And so I just want you to know, man, that, that part of coming into church isn't just showing up and sitting down and letting people entertain you and letting me speak to you. It's coming in hungry, coming and saying, God, I need something from you. Uh, this has been a tough week. We've had uh, several people pass away. In, in a church this size, it happens a lot, and I never want to minimize it, but uh, I just want to pray. If you're here today, you're man, just carrying some, some baggage, some discouragement. Maybe you've got a great opportunity in front of you, and you're just trying to figure out how to navigate the future. I would love it together if we just lift our hands and lift our hearts at all of our campuses. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus, and God, we recognize while you have equipped us, Father, with brains and a body the capacity to think, God, the strength to live. Father, at the end of the day, Lord, we are dependent on you. God, the word says it's in you that we live and move and have our being. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus over all of our, uh, God, all of our faith church family, Lord, the struggles and the challenges, Lord, empty nesters in this room trying to navigate the next season, God, our faith church family who have lost loved ones, God, people who are carrying the weight and the burden of financial deficits, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, we come to you, God, I pray, God, that you would help us in this moment to have an encounter with you that would change us forever, God, give us perspective, perspective, God, give us a moment in your presence, give us healing, give us strength, give us peace, give us joy, give us life, and give us light, Lord, I pray, God, a blessing over every person, Lord, at every campus. Lord, fill us with your presence in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we just honor the Lord, God, at all of our campuses? Thank you, Jesus. God bless you guys, man. You can have a seat. Hey, we are jumping into a brand new series today entitled Class is in Session. Let's say that together. Class is in session. And obviously the reason we're starting this series today is because it's that season that we go back to school and there are lots of people all over the place. Some kids starting school for the very first time, some young adults starting college for the first time. Some of us are glad to be out. Maybe anybody glad to be out of school? But at the end of the day, again, teachers and administrators, it is just that time. And so I thought it'd be a great opportunity in light of the season that we're in for all of our campuses, for us as Christ followers, because our goal as Christ followers, in part, is to be learners. 
So we are always in session, but I thought it'd be a great time for us to focus. And so we, uh, we have an opportunity. I would encourage you potentially to take, uh, take um, advantage of. We, uh, we had these three ring binders. They're very small, very simple, very compact, created for you. If you are a note taker and you say, I'm not a note taker, be a note taker. You don't have to write down everything I say. I am well aware of how fast I speak. But if you'll just write down a couple scriptures or a couple thoughts, it would help you to go back to them or through the week to use the notes from a Sunday morning message in your personal devotion time. So these are available at $5. If you don't have $5, tell the person at the booth, I don't have $5 and it's on me. I'll pay to get you one. They are limited. And today, moving forward, every time you walk in, there will be notes, a sheet available uh, that are, it's already got the holes punched. So you can just slip it in here and that way you can maintain kind of some kind of, uh, document that will help you go back and again grow in your spiritual journey. So I'd encourage you to pick one of those up. Amen. Come on, let's thank the people who designed all that, took care of that. It's a lot of extra work for them. Well, listen, here's where we're going to go in this conversation for the next four weeks is there is a verse that is found in the gospel of Luke right in the beginning. And as many of you know, who've been in church, the gospels, again, are a biographical sketch of the life of Jesus. It's, it's how he came into this world, ultimately who he was. But a large part of the gospels happen from the age 30 until Jesus dies or lays down his life as our savior on the cross of Calvary at the age of 33. There's this gap called the silent years, and the gap happens from the age 12. So we get a snapshot of Jesus being born. We get a snapshot of Jesus at age 12, and then you have this season of silence from the age 12 until Jesus is age 30. However, what the Gospels, what the Bible does give us is this one verse that helps us understand kind of what was happening in the life of Jesus during those silent years. And the first two words in Luke chapter 2, verse 52 is, Jesus grew. Let's say that together. What did Jesus do? Jesus grew. Now, here's why that's really important, and I don't have a lot of time to dig into this, but Jesus was incredibly unique. There was nobody ever like him, and not because he was a prophet or a teacher or a healer or even the Savior. Jesus, the Bible teaches us, was fully God, 100%. It was, it, Jesus was God who stepped out of heaven, the Son of God, and wrapped himself or cloaked himself in humanity, and so he was fully God, and he was fully man. For all of you theology geeks, the term is the hypostatic union. That's what the early church fathers tried to navigate reading the word is who is Jesus? And being fully God, like there's not a lot of room for God to grow. Like God is perfect. Y'all got that, right? But how many people know that people are not perfect? There's room for us. And so the humanity of Jesus, Jesus spent time. What did he spend time doing? Growing. And so I'm just telling you, if there's room for Jesus to grow, you better believe there's room for us to grow. And so the challenge I want to issue is to join me on this journey for the next four weeks as we intentionally dig in and find out what it looks like to grow. Now, here's why that's important. There's a, a book by, uh, by Andy Stanley called Visioneering. And here's why it's important to grow and get ready for what God has for you. Here's what Andy Stanley said. He said, why should God bring an opportunity your way if you're not in a position to take advantage of it? If you were God, to whom would you give the opportunities? Wishful thinkers, dreamers, or planners? 
So what, what Andy's saying is, hey, part of growing, and this is what we see in the life of Jesus, Jesus wasn't just growing accidentally, he was growing intentionally, and the intent of his growth was to get ready to fulfill the plan that his father had for him. And I just want to tell you that God does have good plans for you, God does have a good goal for you, but until you're ready to walk in the goodness of God, oftentimes we won't experience his goodness, so the goal of classes in session is let's get ready to grow so we can walk into all the things that God has for us. On the count of three, everybody shout grow. One, two, three, grow. If Jesus grew, we can grow too. Well, how did Jesus grow? Well, the Bible tells us, again, Luke chapter two, verse 52 says this. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and all the people. At all of our campuses, come on, let's read that again out loud. Jesus grew in and in, and in favor with who? And who? All people. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to figure out what does it look like for us to grow in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with people. Now, when you look at the life of Jesus, again, I don't have time to really dig into this, but the wisdom that Jesus needed to navigate his calling, to navigate the conversations he would inevitably have was critical because it wasn't just people coming up asking him questions that he needed to have a, a, a pithy answer for. Oftentimes, what Jesus experienced was people coming up trying to trick him, trying to trap him, trying to catch him saying something that they could use it against him. And so it's, I don't know about you, but in our businesses and in life and in marriage and in, our, in everything that we do, it's important that we grow in wisdom so we can navigate the challenges and difficulties that are going to come our way. Because a lot of times, I don't think we navigate probably as well as we could because we don't have the wisdom we need. And there is a way for us to grow in wisdom. I asked, I put a question online uh, last Monday, this past Monday, and I asked a couple questions. But one of the questions I asked, and a lot of you responded to, I would encourage you to go back and read the post. There are really lots of good responses. But I asked this question. If you could go back to the 17-year-old you, what piece of advice would you give? Now, if you didn't answer, you did answer. How many people wish you could go back to the 17-year-old you and tell them something and maybe you would have listened? Here's some responses. They all kind of cycled around some similar topics. A lot of people had something to say about money. I wish I could tell my 17-year-old self something about money. The number one thing that you said you wish you could tell your 17-year-old self ultimately was stay out of debt. Now, how many people wish you would have stayed out of debt better than maybe you did? It's that challenge of looking backwards. A lot of people had this to say about living a life of discipline and making decisions. One person specifically said, learn to like hard things, exercise, eating well, studying, saving, self-control, and saving no, saying no. Like those are hard things, but how many of you know that if you'll do those things or you would have done those things, you probably would be in a better position today? Another common voice that popped up was people who talked about how important family is, that family's valuable. Friends will come and friends will go, but family is family forever. Now, some of you are saying, but you don't know my family. (laughs) I digress. A lot of people said, listen to your parents. Again, a common theme that kept coming up. When When you're a teenager and a young adult, your parents don't know anything until you become adult and you realize your parents knew everything. People said this, my parents knew more than I ever thought they did. A lot of people said, don't worry so much. A lot of people said, focus on your physical health. Take better care of yourself. If I, was no, if I had known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of my body. 
Someone, someone said this, quit eating so much, you're making me fat. That's... <laughs> ladies, listen to this one, all the single ladies. All the single ladies. Marry a man who loves Jesus and wait for that man. Last one I thought was important. Again, this, this same thing that kept coming up was choose wisely who you surround yourself with because who you choose will strongly influence who you become. So again, what's crazy is all of these voices that you all chimed in and gave your perspective on, a lot of us, what we're doing is we're in our current position of life, looking backwards at our 17-year-old self, saying, I wish I could grab that person and talk to him because there's some things that I want to tell him. Now, that's important because what we're saying is that we have lived and learned. Have you ever heard that saying, live and learn? There's, what we're saying is, I've lived life now, and there's some things I've learned that I wish I could go back and tell my 17-year-old self. Ultimately, what we're saying is, I wish I didn't have to go through what I went through to learn what I learned. When you live and learn, what you're doing is you're learning by experience. And if you've not figured this out yet, experience is expensive. Experience is costly. Now, you can, you, can live, you can learn that way, and lots of us, that's how we've learned to navigate life, is we learn by experience. We go through a season, we go through a situation, and based on how we handle that or based on how we experience that, there are nuggets we can take away, and hopefully we'll apply those to future decisions. So to live and learn is important, but again, experience is expensive. When I say experience is expensive, to learn by experience oftentimes will cost you more time than you should have to invest in somebody. A lot of you have wasted time in relationship because you spent two, three, four years dating somebody and you based your, and you lived this experience out. Now you'd say, I would never date somebody like that again. Had you learned a different way, you could have saved yourself a lot of time and a lot of heartache. Learning by experience again is emotionally costly. Oftentimes learning by experience costs us money. This past week we were up in Ohio for a wedding and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't always think the best of people. You people, but not all people. I'm just telling you, people are corrupt and crooked, and they're always looking to take advantage of you, some people. And so I just try to live my life just on guard. Anybody with me? And that's just smart. And so we're going to downtown Cleveland, and uh, we're going to park our car. And so they have a valet service. And I say it every week. I'm kind of cheap, so I'm like, oh, how far can I park and not have to pay for a valet? Valet was 40 bucks. But my bigger issue with parking with a valet is I got stuff in my car I don't want people to get a, to get a hold of. I'm riding dirty, just if you're tracking with me. And they ain't gonna catch me riding dirty. You know, I, my wife, she, was, she wasn't gonna carry her big, uh, big purse into this wedding, so she has her purse in the car and her personal goods. We were actually traveling to come back home at, directly after wedding, so our car is full of stuff. And right now, if you're not paying attention, one of the crime waves that ha is happening in major cities is people are just seeing stuff in cars punching the windshield, which takes them three seconds and grabbing something and running. So I'm pulling this car up thinking, man, we got all this stuff, a purse and a gun and, you know. <laughs> now, there's some people that learned late. They learn by experience. Put your stuff where people can't see it. Take your stuff and move it and get it out of the car. Again, for those who, who didn't know that, again, they possibly have learned, but they've learned through experience, and experience is expensive. They had to get a window replaced. They had to get a purse replaced. They had to file a report, and I'm just telling you, experience is expensive. A lot of us, we not only learn through experience, we learn through education. We go to school. We get a degree. We go back and get continuing credits, and I just want you to know, if your goal in learning is learning through education, education is great, but again, education, it's expensive. 
It costs you a lot of time. It costs you a lot of money to go back to school. And not only is it costly, it's narrow. If you're learning through education, you are only learning one subject at a time. And I just came to tell you today that there is a better way to learn in life. And while experience is valuable, and while I think education is important, the best way to learn is not through those two things, but wisdom is the best way to make decisions. I want us to say that together. Come on. Wisdom is the best way to make decisions. How did Jesus grow? Jesus grew in wisdom. I'm not saying Jesus didn't go to school. Little Hebrew children went to school. I'm not saying Jesus didn't learn by experience, but Jesus understood if I'm going to navigate life well, if I'm going to experience everything I can, then I need to make sure on the front end, I get wisdom to make decisions. I don't want to make decisions based on experience. That's too costly. I don't have time maybe to go to school. That's too costly. But what we can all do is we can all grow in wisdom. And so I want us to lean into a conversation. It's found in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 3, there's this guy. His name is Solomon. Solomon, if you know some of the Old Testament, Solomon was one of the kings of Israel. He was known for building the Old Testament temple. And he was also known as being one of the sons of King David, who was one of the most premier kings in the Old Testament. And he has this encounter with God. And in this encounter, God offers to give him whatever he wants. Can you imagine having an encounter and a conversation with God? And God says, just ask for it and it's yours. I'll give you whatever you want. And I want you to notice Solomon, he asked for this one thing. He asked for wisdom. Now, this is amazing. First Kings chapter 3 Verse 10 through 12 says this, and the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. And so God replied, because you've asked for, come on, say it, wisdom in governing my people with justice, and if not asked for long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you've asked for. Now, I don't know if you picked this up, but notice God understands what most of us would ask for. Now, if, if you could ask God for anything, let's be honest. Most of I would not think to ask for wisdom, probably. I would, th- I would think to ask for long life, money, or I got some people I'd like you to take out, Jesus. <laughs> I would not have been as smart in the moment as Solomon was. And out of all the things he could ask for, he asked for wisdom. Now, That same man, Solomon, who asked for wisdom and who got wisdom, recorded and wrote the book of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom. And this man, Solomon, he understood once he got wisdom how important wisdom was, and he recorded this. Uh, Let me tell you, this is wisdom, if you're taking notes. Wisdom is the discernment to make the best decision. Wisdom is the discernment to make the best decision. So when you have options in front of you, Should I go here or there? Should I move here or here? Should I refinance or not? Should I date them? Should I marry them? Should I go to this school? How do I deal with this encounter? How do I navigate this situation? Wisdom is the discernment to make the best decision. It's making the best decision the right way at the right time. Because you can make the right decision at the wrong time. Making the best decision. It's when you're standing in front of something and you have options. Do I go right or do I go left? Discernment. It's this discernment. It's this understanding to look at a conversation, to look at a situation, and have the discernment to know what's the best decision moving forward. How many people wish you had discernment to make really great decisions? Wave at me. God says you can have that through wisdom. 
And so again, he, he answers this question. He says, hey, you can have wisdom. And again, Solomon, fast forward in his life, he writes the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, he says this, Proverbs chapter four, verse seven, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. He says, you want to get something in life, the most important thing you can get is what? Now, again, let me ask you a question. If you were to poll society, if you were to ask culture, if we were to ask you coming into this building or coming into Lawrenceburg or coming into Shoals, if we were to line you up and ask people and interview them and say, hey, what's the most important thing in life you can get? What do you think people would say? People would say, I got to get that money. If I can just get enough money, life will be easy. Life will be okay. If I can just get a better job, if I can just get on a right career path, a lot of us, if we ask, what is it you think is important to get? A lot of us would say relationships. I don't want to live life alone. If I can just find that perfect somebody to live the rest of my life with, just on a side note, there are no perfect somebodies. There's a lot of imperfect people. We got to figure out how to do life together. But think of it, a lot of us were saying, if I can get the right person, if I can get the right career, if I can get the right amount of money, then life is set. And Solomon comes and he says this, the best thing you can do, the wisest thing you can get is get what? Wisdom. Do you know why? Because if you'll get wisdom, you can get and keep everything else. Wisdom is the foundation for life. A lot of people have gotten money, but they didn't have the wisdom to keep money and lost it. A lot of people are trying to get relationships, but they don't have the wisdom to figure out how to get a relationship, and they don't have the wisdom to figure out how to keep a relationship. There's people who don't have the wisdom to navigate how to get in the right career path, how to stay in that career path, how to to, uh, succeed in that career path. And so what Solomon was saying is wisdom is the foundation. If you can get wisdom, you can get anything else. If you have wisdom to navigate, if you have the discernment to make the best decision, then you'll figure out finances. You can navigate the complexities of relationships. You can get through some of the difficulties that all of us are sure to face in life, but the one thing you have to have is what? Wisdom. What did Jesus grow in? Jesus grew in wisdom. What do we need to grow in? We need to grow in wisdom. Now, if we're going to get wisdom, this is really important we have this conversation, is where do we get wisdom from? If one of the greatest things, or not one of, the the most important thing that you and I can get in life, Lawrenceburg, where do we get wisdom from? Shows where do we get wisdom from? Where you source your wisdom from is really important. My dad, he was a machinist for about 30 years. A machinist, if you don't know what that is, basically, in very simple terms, they would start with a hunk of metal, varying sizes. They would put it in a machine, and based on the drawings, they would take that chunk of metal, and they would craft and create and whittle down to make a very specific part based on the dimensions of the design. Now, I had lots of conversations with my dad. He would come home from work and say he had a terrible day because where they sourced their metal from to make their parts made all the difference in the world. My dad, in my estimation and his estimation, was he was a great machinist. But it doesn't matter how good of a machinist you are if you don't start with good metal. And he said there are some countries, if they would source their metal from certain countries, inevitably they would come, and as he whittled away at the metal, he would find other chunks of the basic metals not melted together properly. It was garbage metal. I want you to hear it again. So again, it's not just a matter of, uh, of using any kind of metal. you got to source good metal to make good parts. You ever go to a really good high-end restaurant? If you've ever gone to a good restaurant, probably on the menu somewhere, they'll tell you where the meat is sourced from. And nobody goes to a good restaurant and sees this was at a big old fat cow farm with 10 million cows smashed together, stepping in 
cow do together and filled with toxins and enjoy your meal. Like you go to a good restaurant, they're going to tell you that the beef is sourced at. And we get the picture that, that like it's this cow on a beach and like someone's fanning him, feeding him grapes. I mean, it's not that good. But, it, you know, it's this, it's this vegan cow and he's, you know, dairy cow. And he, no, no, no. But what he's telling you is that it doesn't matter how good the chef is. You can't get, make a good meal with bad meat. You can't make a good part with bad metal. And you can't make a good decision with bad wisdom. And there are other places you can get wisdom. And while some people might say it's wisdom, it's not wisdom. God's word says it this way. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. When God comes and talks to us as Christ followers, he says, sometimes this world will tell you the wisdom that it has and it's foolishness. God's kingdom is upside down, which means this world will tell you, keep all your money, make all your money, store your money. God says it's important in life to be generous. God says it's important in life not to find people to serve you, but to serve people. And so wisdom is upside down. So it's important that not just to get wisdom, but to source it from the right place. And so I'm going to give us a couple of places that you, I think God calls us in his word to source wisdom from. If you're taking notes, which you are because you have these incredible binders. And you grabbed a, a, a sheet of notes, hopefully coming in. Four things real quick I want to give you this morning. Number one place that you can get wisdom from is to practice godly disciplines, specifically prayer and fasting. If you want wisdom, which I hope you do because you need it, where are you going to get wisdom from? The, one of the best places you can get wisdom from is learning a consistent life. And I put in fasting. I know a lot of people don't fast, but I, it should be the more significant your decision and the more important your decision. I think you should take some time and step away from maybe even a meal so you can just focus more on God, but at least prayer. Why? Because here's what God's promises. I love it. It's one of the most used scriptures I have as a pastor. James chapter one says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. What kind of God is he? What does that mean? That means if you need wisdom, if you'll ask him, he, he not only has it, he wants to give it to you. And he doesn't want to give you a little bit. He wants to give you a generous amount of wisdom. He understands that his heart is to give you life and life to the full. And the only way you can experience a full life is making good decisions. And the only way you can make good decisions is to have wisdom. And so God is saying, I want to give you wisdom because that's what's going to navigate you through this life. And so one of the ways you can get wisdom is to ask God, is to take a moment in the situation or season of life, you find yourself and ask God. And again, it says, and he will give, uh, our generous God will give it. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Here's another scripture. Proverbs chapter two says this, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Come on, verse six. Let's read it at all of our campuses. For the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So one of the ways if we're going to get wisdom and we need to, we're going to grow in wisdom. And I think we should. Jesus did. Is I just want to issue a challenge here at Faith Church that we get back to people of prayer and we consistently ask God, God, is this the person I should date? Is this the person I should marry? Is this the door I should walk through? Instead of just doing what we feel on impulse, which is often foolishness, let's take a moment and lean on God who promised as our heavenly father to give wisdom to all those who ask. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm just going to tell you. 
I believe with all in my heart, one of the secrets of prayer, even specifically when it comes to asking for wisdom, is you're going to benefit more from the pursuit of seeking God in wisdom than even the wisdom you'll get in the pursuit. What I'm telling you is we're wired and created to be in relationship with God. And just the pursuit of prayer, just the pursuit of asking God will do more for your life than even the answer he'll give you. There's something about seeking God. There's something about pursuing him and asking him for the promises he's given us. Second thing real quick, none of these are real, uh, none of things are, are things you've never heard before, but maybe things you're not doing. Second of all is read God's word. Psalm 119, says this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Anybody at any of our campuses, you've ever been in a season where you felt like you were in a season of darkness, like you weren't sure what to do, you weren't sure what, what direction to go or what decision to make? God's word says, I will light up that moment. I will shine a light on that season and you'll know with clarity and confirmation what direction to take and you can find it in the wisdom of my word. Proverbs chapter six, verse 23. Come on, let's read this together. Proverbs six twenty-three. For their command is a lamp and their instruction is a light their corrective discipline is a way of life. Again, God says, if you'll take time and lean into my word, I'll give you wisdom. And which means, again, if you're in a season or a situation which we all find ourselves continually in life, if you're in a place that you're not reading God's word for wisdom, ignoring God's word for wisdom is like ignoring Google Maps when you need directions. I mean, it's, come on, baby, it's right there. Google map me up. What would happen? If all of us at all of our campuses started to be people to lean back into God's word, imagine the wisdom that we would begin to develop and walk in and ultimately make better decisions. Number four, or number three, is ask godly people. If you need to help with something, who you ask is really important. Not just what you ask, but how do you know you can ask the wrong person? And so you gotta ask some godly people. Everybody say godly people. You need to ask people who love Jesus more than you do, who've been walking with Jesus longer than you have. Uh, one of the things, I'm gonna give a shout out, Gen Z takes a lot of heat from a lot of people. One of the things that's been found in research for Gen Z is Generation Z, they're starting to lean back into elderly people, they're starting to lean back into older people and saying, hey, these people know something I don't know because they've lived the time that I didn't live. Help me understand it. If you're about to make a decision, before you make that decision, you need wisdom. One of the places you can source wisdom is to ask godly people, is to lean into them and ask them. Again, here's what the word says. Watch this. Proverbs says, plans go wrong. Why? For lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. If you want to have success, have conversations with people that have been where you are. Now, when I say ask godly people, let me just give you a, a side note. I think you can ask people. I think you can ask everyday people. You can ask somebody who doesn't know Jesus. You can ask an atheist if you're asking them information, advice, or wisdom on something that really doesn't pertain to real spiritual life things. Like, I don't need... <laughs> if I'm asking somebody how to fix something on my car, I don't need you to love Jesus. I need you to know how to work on a car, right? I mean, if you want to preach to me, that's awesome, but just tell me how to fix the thing. We... Uh, Anybody here getting expensive bills right now? Utility bills are crazy, right? Now, I don't know if you know this, Faith Church. If you've ever wondered, uh, when you give here at Faith Church, our goal is to make ministry happen literally around the world. Part of when you give here, you are financing our staff and you're financing our facilities and you're financing our kingdom builder partners and you're financing our ministries. But part of financing just our facilities, isn't it nice and cool in here? 
just FYI, our utility bill, one, because we have two on this building and we have two campuses, a third on the way, just one of our bills last month was $10,000. That's how I felt. <laughs> and if you don't know me, like I walk around, like I'm the dad, like I'm the lead pastor, I'm the boss here, but I kind of walk around like some of you guys do at your house and I feel like I go behind a lot of our staff turning lights off. And it's, so we had to have a come to Jesus conversation. Hey, Bill's out of control. We just all need to do a better job turning lights off. And like, but here's what's funny is the conversation we had is again, we have big facilities and we just had to ask this, how high, how high can we allow it to get? Like if we don't need the air, like let's turn it off. I'm not expecting anybody to work in a sweatshop, but if you got to come in a tank top and shorts, it might be too cool. And so we just asked like, how high can we can get, how high can we get it? Well, what we found out is even in our unused areas that we don't use much during the week is you just can't turn the heat off or the air off because if you turn the air off, humidity rises and will damage our facility. And so here's why that's important. Like I kept saying, go, like, go higher. Well, someone told us, don't go above, don't go above 75 degrees. Well, Pastor Mitch at our Lawrenceburg campus had already set the air to 76 and we were having this conversation. He said, Pastor, it's only one degree. I said, it's only one degree. But you know what? I changed my mind. You know why? Wisdom. I went back and I said, let's listen to the professionals. I don't know anything about facility and air conditioning, but these guys do. And if we say 76 is only one degree, one degree matters. Let's listen to the professionals. Let's lean into wisdom and let's put it where they said we should put it. Because if we put it at 76 and we saved $100 a month, but it spent, cost us thousands of dollars in repair, that was unwise. That was foolish. I'm just telling you, if you're going to make good decisions, let's start being bold enough to have conversations. If you can't call them, text them. I get it. But let's ask people who know more than we do specifically when it comes to big, important life decisions. Don't just ask anybody. Ask people who love Jesus at least as much as you do. Here's what the word again says. Proverbs says this. Walk with the wise and you become wise. Associate with fools and you'll get into trouble. So there are lots of places. Jesus, he grew in wisdom. And one of the ways he grew in wisdom are ways that we can grow in wisdom. You can pray and you can ask your heavenly father for wisdom and he'll give it. You can lean into God's word and it is a light and a lamp to your life. God will help you to learn wisdom from his word. You can get it by asking godly people. There are lots of people in this house, in Lawrenceburg, in Shoals, that would be happy to come alongside of our younger uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and would love to have conversations and help you if you're bold enough and willing to ask. And the fourth one, and this is something we all have that enough of us don't lean on, is follow the godly wisdom you already have. Do what you already know to do. I have lots of people who come and say, Pastor, I, should I do this? And they already know they shouldn't do it. What they're looking for from me, just FYI, to save you a phone call or save you a visit, I'm never going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. So if you're looking for me to co-sign your bad decision, don't come talk to me. Real talk. A lot of people I find, they're just looking. If I just get pastor to tell me it's okay, I'm not Jesus. You need to get wisdom from God's word before you get wisdom from people. And if the wisdom you get from people goes contrary to God's word, you got the wrong wisdom. That's better than I, y'all just gave me credit for. And so do what you already know you need to do. If you've been in church and you've been reading the word, some of us, man, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I'm not saying you will never find yourself in a place where you know all the answers. We all still need to continue to grow in wisdom. 
but learn to walk in the wisdom that God has already given you. Again, here's what the word says. James chapter four, verse 17. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I just shared this illustration the other day, but let me just say it again. One of the challenges I have, and there is, there's, this, there's, there's this guy that used to come to our church. And he has just become a, a troll of trolls to me personally, to lots of people that attend faith church here. And he has become obnoxious and rude and critical and slanderous and angry. And I, I'm, I feel bad because this dude has obviously gone through something that has shifted his heart. But I'm just telling you, when he posts on our social media or he attacks me, Lord, help me love him in the name of Jesus. But I don't want to love him. And when he posts something, my first response is, I want to post something back. And I have a rule. Don't respond to critics on social media. Wait, don't clap yet. Wait. That's not my decision. I didn't just come up with that. Do you know where I got that from? Get wisdom and source it from good places. Some of you can benefit from the verse I'm about to give. If you don't hear anything else I say and you're on social media, learn this one right here. Don't answer a fool. Don't answer, uh, I'm sorry, don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you will become as foolish as they are. Don't get roped into debates. Don't get roped into big political conversations. And you're saying, but what they said is dumb and I need to correct them. No, you end up looking as dumb as they do because you're not going to change their mind. They're going to come back and give you something else and you're going to come back. And the world is watching people who say they love Jesus be hateful and mean-spirited and they will never follow the Jesus we are following if we're going to take them in a direction that goes contrary to the Jesus we're following. We got to learn to be silent. Now wait, watch the other part of this next verse. Be sure to answer foolish arguments of fools or they'll become wise in their own estimation. You're saying, which is it? Should I answer? I should, shouldn't I answer? Some people you already know, there's no point in engaging. So don't answer those fools. But there's some people, if they're making it a, a, a foolish decision, if you can help them, engage. But I'm just telling you, every time I break that rule, I got on, I blocked, I, I have like three people I've blocked on social media. And this fool... I'm using that in a biblical way. <laughs> I blocked for like two years. And finally, I thought, I'm going to unblock him and just see what, I'm just going to unblock him. <laughs> and I, I had to block him again like two days. I mean, this cat did not skip a beat. And I'm just telling you, if I didn't, if I don't, if I don't listen to the word, don't answer a fool according to his foolishness. Man, it just gets me all riled up, messes with my emotions and takes me to a place I don't need to be. There's wisdom that we need. And you can get it through experience. It's just going to cost you a lot of time and money and emotional heartache. There are better places to get wisdom. Some of us at all of our campuses, you're at a place in life you don't need to be in but you found yourself there by making foolish decisions. God wants us to have wisdom. And the only way we can have wisdom is to grow in it intentionally. Get it through prayer, get it through the word, get it from godly people and get it and access it and walk in the wisdom you already have. 
If you're here today, I want you to know this, that you are in the place of life you're in because of the decisions you've made yesterday. The decisions you make in life determine the calm or the calamity of your tomorrow. If you want to have calm tomorrow, make good decisions today. If you want calamity and chaos in your life, keep making bad decisions and sourcing your wisdom from bad, uh, from bad sources. And here's the good news. No matter how old you are, no matter how jacked up your finances are, no matter how messed up your marriage is, no matter how off the rail your kids are, no matter how lost you are right now and you have no idea what should I go, where, where should I go, how do I navigate this, here's some great news for you. It's never too late to start making right decisions. It's never too late. If you'll start applying wisdom today, you'll find yourself in a different place. I'm out of time. Let me just give you this. I got to skip some stuff. Let me just give you this. So I was thinking through, how can I practically help you? Now, I can't help you unless you help yourself. I can't force you to grow in wisdom. Here's what I want to tell you to do. I'm going to give you five, real quick, I'm going to give you five Proverbs. And I want you just to hear these. There are hundreds of Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. I'm going to give you just five. And I want you to think about these for a minute. Proverbs chapter four, verse seven. We already went through it. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Number two, Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. Lawrenceburg, Shoals, I want you to write these down. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Number three, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on this world's wisdom. Depend on God's wisdom. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Proverbs 12, 18. Proverbs 12, 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Last one, Proverbs 10, 4. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Now, everybody just lean in. I'm almost done. Everybody look at me. All of our campuses, just listen. What would happen in your life? If you don't read any more Proverbs, you don't pray for any more wisdom, and I'm not certainly not recommending that, but here's the challenge. Pro, five Proverb challenge. I want to challenge everybody, just for the next month, through this series, write these down and commit every day to read five Proverbs. Everybody's got time to read these five Proverbs and start praying, Lord, help me, help me to apply. What would happen to your life if you started making decisions based on, number one, I'm getting me some wisdom. I don't know, I'm gonna get me a paycheck today. I'm gonna get me some food today. But if I don't get anything else, the most important thing I can get is what? Wisdom. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna get me some wisdom. What would happen if you lived your life every day in this month through this series, determining you're gonna get wisdom, you're gonna guard your heart. When animosity and anger and frustration and disappointment and hatred and comparison, when all that stuff starts to attack your heart, what would happen? You said, no, 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 not on my watch. I'm not letting that junk in. What would happen if you started guarding your heart? What would happen if you started trusting the Lord? Man, I don't know what this looks like. I don't like where I'm at, but I trust the Lord. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lean on my way. I'm gonna lean on God's way. What would happen? What would happen if you started speaking life in every situation? What would happen if you used your mouth for healing instead of tearing down? That means your life, your situation, your neighbor, your friends, your family member. What would happen if you spoke life? And number five, what would happen if you worked as if it was all up to you? I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying don't trust God, but how about we start working like it's up to me to succeed, but I'm going to pray as if it's up to God. I'm going to lean into him. I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to speak life. And if I don't get anything else, I'm getting wisdom. Five proverb challenge. Spend time. This month, reading them, memorizing them, and living them. Just as five. What does it mean to grow in wisdom? It's to get wisdom, 
and to apply it and you can live like Jesus. Heavenly Father, God, we have made lots of bad decisions, all of us in all three of our campuses. Some of the mess we find ourselves right here today are because of the decisions we've made. And Lord, we learn, we can look back and say, I wish I didn't and I wish I hadn't. Lord, there's a better way. We can learn through wisdom. And so Father, I pray we'll take you up on your offer, that we will seek you, we will pray, we're gonna lean into your word. Father, I pray help all of us grow in wisdom. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.